Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today we're joined by the wonderful writer and director of Swan Song, Benjamin Cleary, to talk all about his feature film. And I wanted to start with talking about a lot of the technological aspects that you bring into the story and how you really use that to tell a narrative story focused on character, because I know that you did a lot of research and spoke to a lot of people working in futuristic technology, working within AI, um, and really ended up with a robust document of world building and all of the technological facets that could potentially exist within the world of this story and the different ways that that technology could potentially be utilized. And once you had that world building document, how did you take a lot of the technological details and really find the ways where you could add it into the script where it never feels didactic, but it's really elements that enhance the way that you want to tell the story and the way that you want us to focus on the emotional trajectory of the character? Amazing. Thank you so much um, for that. Yeah, like it's... Um... I suppose the way I was thinking about it in many ways was that the technology in it were going to be a bit of that kind of iceberg thing where we the tip of the iceberg would be what we showed um, ultimately, but that there was a lot submerged beneath that. You know, I think as an audience member, you feel that, you know, you, you feel that that research was done, I find, and things like this, but that, and, and it just lets you decide what you're actually going to show ultimately. I think that a big part of this entire thing that you're you're speaking about there as well is like knowing what the movie is, right? And knowing that, hey, we're, we're making something that, yeah, it does have sci-fi elements, but it's a really human story. It's about the love story at its heart. It's about family. It's about um, really the, the all of the human decisions that are involved in Cameron's dilemma and indeed Jack's dilemma, I suppose. Um, so for me, it was just a case of being very careful to never, like you say, go down that kind of didactic route or, or, or jump into territory where we were getting more information about the tech than we really needed. It was really important to me to do the amount of wor world building needed so that we, as an audience, would hopefully just drift into the story, believe that it was around 20 years in the future, and then allow the, the human story to take place. So, I mean, all of our design decisions you know we our wonderful production designer uh, Annie Beecham uh, who was just amazing totally got on board with that idea of the kind of less is more and thinking about the space and thinking about um yeah this is sci-fi we do need a robot let's try and make it in such a way where it recedes into the background and we never feel like this world is something that's so foreign to our present day that we can't kind of and stay focused on the emotion at the center. So that was a very long-winded answer. Sorry to start the interview with, but it's wonderful. And I think everything that you're talking about also transfers over into the way that you filmed a lot of the scenes because you're filming a multitude of scenes where Mahersha Ali is playing against himself as both Cameron and the clone that is created of himself, like an AI version of himself. Um, and you you didn't go lean towards the technology like motion capture. You really wanted it to be about his performance and used a lot of editing and post-production kind of like really stitching those shots together but again still didn't allow the camera to stay still in those moments when the two of them are together it's still the camera moving around and giving us you know all of the elements of the frame all of the elements of the story um and so how did that lead to a lot of the decisions that you made with everything that you were just saying about the technology and also how you wanted to film those scenes with Mahershala um, and with Shane Dean who played his double in those 
Yeah, um, an amazing challenge, you know. So there were definitely some days where I was thinking for my first feature, like I've just what, like what was I thinking when I decided to do all this stuff? That so many technical things. But then you know you get to work with an absolute master like Mahersh Ali, and you know you mentioned Shane Dean as well as his double, who was just so great and so generous, and their partnership was was awesome. But you know, I think that trying to there's a couple of parts that i suppose one of the one of the things is to because this double performance is an emotional one and it isn't an action film you know in any way i knew really early on that that anything we did in terms of how we shot this needed to as much as it possibly could get out of the way and not take loads of time so you mentioned motion control there and we very quickly decided not to use motion control because Although it is an amazing technology, it can be temperamental. It can take a lot of time. There's setup time. Sometimes things go wrong and you're waiting for a while. And I really wanted to try and as much as possible not have Mahershala having to wait around, you know, for technical things to happen. So I really went for the sim- simple um, ways of shooting it where I could, you know, like you say, it's split screens, it's over the shoulder shots, it's singles, it's, you know, um, stitching pans and things like that. And, um, matching matching our pans, making sure they were kind of pace wise and framing wise really um, good, um, and then doing dirty comps and all that kind of thing on the fly to make sure we were cool. But um, you know, I think the other side of it then is the performance and the emotion side of it, and then you've got to work out. So when you've worked out the technicals and tried to hopefully create a space where Mahershala can and do his his work unencumbered by you know all of these things waiting around as much as possible they were still waiting he had to be like really patient at times but as little as possible i think the next thing is well how do we get it to a point where he's acting across from himself how does how do we get the performance and the, the 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 cadence right there and i think it was incredible watching mahersla work and you know if we shoot cameron first working out with Shane sometimes how he might, what he might do on the other side, you know, so we talk to Shane about it and then we'd all speak about it and we try things out and, and we'd find the scene, you know, and watching rehearsal do it was amazing because each time we flipped around to Jack, you know, if we were doing Cameron first, uh, watching him go back the other way was just amazing. Just having that, I don't know, foresight or whatever or instinct that he had to do. It was, was quite incredible. One of the technical things that we um, discovered quite early on that was really helpful was I took the audio from his first take, like when he was Cameron, for instance, and I'd play that back for when he was Jack, you know, like I'd, I'd pick a take or a couple of takes that I liked and we'd play that back. And so he was actually playing across from Shane, but with his own audio. And that was amazing because the cadence and the rhythm and, and, and those kind of things were really retained. I think when we did that and Mahershala reacted really well to that, hearing his voice. And um, so that was a great little breakthrough, I think, that we had that, that helped us along the way. And sometimes I'd mix up the takes, you know, I'd, I'd do a new take. So he had a bit of a fresh read and things like that. But it was just, I guess when you're doing something technical like this as a director, your big responsibility is to try and make it as untechnical as you possibly can because actors are doing such an incredible job of being so vulnerable and putting everything out there. And Mahershala was going to such incredible emotional spaces with these roles that I think 
that was really my number one was to try and protect the space and, and make it somewhere where he could do that work. And I think what he did was uh, remarkable in the end. Yeah, his performance is really astounding when you look at the two characters that he's playing and the fact that he's he's playing a secondary character that is a carbon copy to some degree. And yet the internal world of the characters is also different. There's kind of an undercurrent that's so subtle that even his own wife can't tell the difference between the two of them. Um, and I know that for you, you spoke about when you were editing it, that like in a second you could kind of tell the small nuances. And so what were some of those small details that the two of you discussed about having as those really kind of almost undetectable differences, but that would create an essence and a feel for the audience where we also always know which character we're watching on screen? Right, yeah. I mean, it was really interesting because you look at some of the films that might've been made before where there's doubles and there's a, a fairly noticeable physical difference, you know, um, or something like that. Whereas for this, the very essence of it was that they would be completely identical. But as you say, and that's a beautiful way of putting it, I think that inner, the inner sort of worlds are different. And that's when, you know, working with someone who's so in charge of their craft as Mahershala is, comes into play. I remember in an early, one of our early earliest conversations we met, we might've met three or four times only at this point. And we started at that point getting into like speaking about the characters a bit. And I remember when the first thing he said was he was talking about the weight of the world that's on Cameron and how that might manifest in things like his lungs, feeling a little bit tighter because of that tension and stuff, you know? And I remember him saying this and I just was, I remember just thinking, I'm looking across at someone who gets so incredibly um, just submerged in the, in the, the wonderful details. And, and it was just really inspiring hearing him speak about that because I knew I had someone who was going to go all the way with this. And, um, and really that was kind of the start of um, not that we were discussing the the spine of the character in that sense but seeing our conversations about motivation for instance or why something was happening or where Cameron was or Jack was in their journey and then seeing those conversations just be manifested in the takes you know that would come or the scene that would would come was just was really um a great privilege you know and I think that finding those so when it came to the edit you know it just knowing immediately who the characters were like that. I mean, and on the day, right. I was looking at, I was looking at stuff and just thinking that's Jack right there. I just know, you know, and I think Marisla managed to, he, I guess what's different about the characters is, the, is their circumstance. And in the script, not to digress too far, but um, when I was writing the script, a really big breakthrough for me was when I realized how three-dimensional a character Jack was. And when I stepped into his shoes I realized like, oh yeah, but this guy is completely legit, right? He totally feels like himself, but he's suddenly sitting there and he no longer has this brain disease, but he's waiting on this other him who he knows doesn't believe in him to give him permission to go see his family again. So you've got a character who's got everything on the line, you know, and has to play this really difficult eggshells game of not slipping up. So he's got this other kind of energy to him, but he's not sick anymore. And it's just a really fascinating um, sort of uh, setup, I think. And so once I started thinking about Jack like that, I realized, wow, this is a really exciting character. And then the script started to really take shape at that point. This is years ago, early, early enough drafts. But again, that then you see that process happening 
with someone like Mahershley who takes the material and starts to find those things himself, you know, and then you see it manifest on screen. So it was, um, sorry, again, another long answer, but that was, uh, that was a joy to kind of find that, those inner world differences, I think. I mean, there's so many, there's so many character details and moments in the script that are clearly written in a very textured way. And then when you have this cast in all of these roles, and so if we look at Naomi Harris's character of Poppy, that's a character that in, in certain films could feel like they're only there in service of the main character, you know, particularly because a lot of the ways that we see her in the film are in these flashback moments and we're seeing her in essence as a memory, you know, not necessarily even in present day reality, even though we get that as well. Um, and Wiz wanted to ask about the initial scenes that you shot with Mahershala and Naomi together, where you had half a day on the first day of production to really allow them a lot of space to find that dynamic, to find that relationship, because it presents in a way that has the romanticism and the love, but also feels very real and like two people who are constantly working on themselves and their relationship for each other. Wow, great. God, your questions are so awesome. And um, you know loads of stuff about the shoot and all. That's great. Um, Naomi Harris is a genius. She is absolutely incredible. Every single day on set that we shot with her was just marvelous, you know? And what she and Mahershala created together completely surpassed um, anything I could have imagined, really, which was so such a lovely thing. Um, I think that, yeah, so the, the, the day you, you were speaking about there, the first day, I really fought um, hard to get us a half day, um, first day shoot where we did a fully improv day of the wedding. And um, I love to do improv um, and I always knew I was going to do it for the memories, mainly for the memory snippets. Like we weren't improving like the train scene or things like that. That's as written. But um, I knew that for the memories, I wanted to find a really what felt like a very organic and 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 really um free flowing vibe and that includes like the actors but also Masanobu our incredible um dp being there handheld and and sort of i, I called it kind of like a dance with the characters you know being there and and a feeling like as as subjective as possible without you know going down the lens um although we do go down the lens a little bit too because i think it felt in my gut that we could we were afforded that permission a bit in some of the memories, but basically um, the idea was that the, you know, the present day uh, was going to have one sort of style, which was um, a little bit more locked in, more considered framings, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, shots that were uh, symmetrical center frame characters, slow push-ins, you know, quite a rigid uh, feel because I felt that, um, really illustrated or, or, or represented Cameron's um, locked in nightmare of the present day in a sense. Whereas when we got to the memories, I really wanted it to feel a bit more vibrant. Um, we were handheld. Some of the only handheld we had in the film was there. And it was just, I wanted it to feel like this really sort of fluid thing and, and, and for it to contrast with the present day. So that was kind of, um, in a sense, then when it came to things like the wedding day, first day shoot what I wanted to do was get both the cast and the crew ready for in a sense for 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 how some of the shoot was going to 
unfold and for what my vibe was in terms of like being quite fluid in those moments and writing a little scenario but being being able to find something different in it or saying hey this part of the room is actually quite interesting let's let's jump over there and like let's do this and you know I think um Naomi and um Mahershala were so great at at doing these sometimes really long takes of improv like 10 minutes sometimes but waiting and just finding those little bits of gold and they were just it was incredible to watch. Like, I mean, there was so much stuff we left on the cutting room floor that we could use. But um, yeah, anyway, I think uh, hopefully that um, I've kind of forgotten what you asked at the start, but yeah. <laughs> no, you you got into all the detail on it. And I also wanted to talk about Aquafina's character, Kate, because again, there's, there's a lot of layer there. Um, and I was interested in kind of two aspects of how you shaped that character, both through the writing and through what Aquafina brings performance wise, um, you know, because there's that really interesting dynamic that we're not just meeting Kate, we get to meet her clone, which I thought was such a great yeah. choice. Um, and really, you know, enriches what we're seeing Mahershala's character Cameron go through as well. And then there's also the fact that Kate's there as a character that allows us to exhale a little bit as an audience in in those little kind of like subtle comedic moments. And a lot of that's what Aquafina brings as a performer in bringing able to kind of be in an emotionally heavy moment and then bring the lightness. But it's also from your writing, you know, the idea of of Cameron coming in and giving her a get well card when she's dying and she's feeling much worse is objectively hilarious. Um, and so it's that balance of of the script and her performance that really carries a lot of emotional weight, but also those comedic moments. And so I was interested in in the different aspects of shaping those different sides within the script with her as a vehicle for that. Yeah, I mean, I am. Um... Uh, Vicky Thomas, our, our wonderful um, casting director, mentioned, I think in our first meeting, mentioned uh, Aquafina for Kate. And I immediately, I'd seen um, The Farewell and I just thought um, that was remarkable. I thought it was an incredible movie. And I thought that um, that Aquafina was just superb in it. You know, I, I, I was blown away by it. And so I was immediately really interested in, in the idea of her playing Kate and we were just so lucky to to get her on board and then I think you know getting to work with her was phenomenal too because those scenes are um the scenes she has with Mahershala are really difficult because they're tonally um as you kind of alluded to there they're 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 moments that the film really needed you know little comedic beats to sort of take a little breath from some of the slightly heavier stuff that was happening and within the scenes, there's a tonal shift that, that, that happens quite quickly. And the way she navigated that work was, was excellent, you know? And it, it kind of, again, a bit like how Naomi and Mahershala exceeded my imagination from the page. Aquafina brought that to it as well, where I was just like, yes, I was like, I was laughing, you know, watching. Uh, you know, and, and and then I was crying, you know, and it was it was really powerful and um, and funny. And, and she just she got it. And I think um, it's it's a real it's a skill to be able to turn on a dime like that and, and go from something that's quite, you know, empathic and, and, and a little heavy to to cracking a joke, you know. And so I think how she and Marshall navigated those scenes was was great. 
it also really adds something to the mood, the setting and the location of, of where those scenes are happening between the two of them and the entire location for where this entire process takes place. You know, when you have these two characters sitting and then the camera comes back and there's these, you know, just it's almost overbearing nature around them while they're going through something very technological, um, you know, and navigating that space. And what was the moment where you realized that you really wanted to have, you know, this huge encompassment of nature around everything that's technological and futuristic on the other side of the spectrum? Yeah, great. I, it's, it's, you know, nature versus artificial is a big theme in the movie. So I think, and I mean, yeah, I think that was a fairly, I don't want to say obvious, but like a very clear thing that everybody immediately responded to when I was speaking to all HODs about it and stuff like let's let's lean into nature versus artificial in our aesthetic look um so that was great you know I think to go from lab settings to these huge nature settings is just is thematically linked and, and lovely but then I think also I really wanted to try and create a space um where Cameron felt really small you know, out in this place where it's just weighing down and there's mountains and trees. There's always this, and, you know, a lot of time we left big headroom and some of our wides and, and, and um, that was all to just try and create the sense of the world just weighing down on him. Um, and then when you get back, the, the, the sort of the, the contrast between the suburban neighborhood and the, and the beautiful home life that he has versus this place, it's totally, um, you know, out there, it's in nature, it's um, completely out uh, alone, you know, but beautiful, just felt instinctively like the way, you know, we we kind of had to do this. And also, I thought a lot about, you know, when you're, when you, if you, if you are looking through a lens whereby you've got very little time left, I think sensorily things feel heightened. You know, like you're you're hearing everything, you're seeing everything, you know, you're feeling it. And I really wanted to try in small ways to try and capture that, the sense of like, and we did that with the sound a bit, you know, we just went a little bit, a little bit over in terms of like what, you know, some of the atmos might sound like, you know, like popping rain up a little bit more, just trying to feel the 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 um the the, the moisture in the air, things like that. Um, because I feel like that was kind of part of his journey. And these are small things that you know, hopefully, hopefully you feel it's, you're not going to notice some of them probably, but, um, but yeah, that whole nature versus artificial thing was a good tool for us to represent the theme, I think, of the film. One of the themes. One of the scenes later on in the film that I wanted to ask about is that moment where Cameron goes and has that, you know, almost goodbye with his family. He can't tell them what's happening. He can't literally say goodbye, but you know, he's sitting there having a pretend apple juice beer with his son because that's a milestone that he knows that he'll never get to experience, you know, taking him out for his first drink when he turns 21. Um, and I feel like early in the movie as an audience member, there's a real emotional impact from watching this man who's not gonna be able to have that final time when time is such a finite thing for him. And he's not gonna be able to say goodbye to the people that he loves the most or even tell them. Um, and so that was a really emotional scene and watching the film later on, getting to see him have that instance and also seeing Jack be the person to, you know, welcome him coming in to do that. When did you realize that that was such a key component emotionally to the trajectory of, of the story? Um, really early on, actually, the end, the end, the way I write is, and I know that a lot of writers, um, 
we'll start on page one and and, and discover you know um where it goes in the end and i i really think that's amazing because um i just for whatever reason my brain doesn't work like that i kind of need to know where it's going so i very quickly once i've got a premise will will go to the end so i i had the goodbyes in mind i think i've i've lost people without getting a goodbye you know and um that made a big that that had a big impact on me and i think the idea of goodbyes um was was really a big part of this uh, story for me so so those sort of half goodbyes if you want to call it that he has with his family or he's getting to say goodbye but they don't necessarily know were just always really crucial parts of of where the the movie was going and and in a sense they i suppose they're the they really are the representation of the idea that this is um a story about the human elements you know and i mean when you think about people have mentioned like black mirror and and stuff like that um in relation to this film and um i think it's i think maybe one of the differences is um is is that emotional heart maybe you know and i adore um all the black mirror stuff that i've seen um but it's 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 sort of taking a different view i guess on or 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 just not it's not going there you know and um into those sort of human um sort of emotional uh places of love i guess in a sense most of the stuff i've seen anyway but um so i guess uh yeah that was always a big part of it and those um those goodbyes were um were really crucial to the whole film and you were mentioning just then the, the personal element of this story for you and you have talked about how, you know, this is written from the personal experience of knowing what it is like to lose people around you. Um, and, but I thought what was great is that you've also spoken about that realization and that moment of, you know, writing what you know, but having that as the foundation and finding your lens and finding your story, you know, you haven't gone through the experience of someone sending in a clone and, and all of the technology and all of that side of the sci-fi element of the story that we see, but the emotional component and heart, you know, clearly is very personal and, and comes from a very real place. Um, and so how do you feel that, that that realization of taking what you know is a real foundation and as a core, but then finding what that lens and what that story is has really informed your work as a creative and and the way that you look at telling stories moving forward yeah that's i mean i think that um when you i i guess when i got to my masters my screenwriting masters um everybody kept saying about you know write what you know and i took that quite literally and was was trying to to go autobiographical about it um but actually what I what I realized was you can tell something incredibly personal to a very to an imagined um film. I mean, not that I didn't get that, I guess, but I didn't I wasn't thinking about it in my own writing. You know what I mean? Like I didn't think that all writers like had gone through the stuff they wrote about, but I didn't really realize that you could directly take something that's happened to you, something really painful, for instance, or something really beautiful or a mixture of the both. And um channel that in through a kind of metaphor you know like like find a character or a premise that really you really deeply empathize with um through things you've gone through like maybe um losing uh you know friends um or um you know getting bullied when you're a kid or something like that you know and so once i realized that and i, I say this to um 
I say this to writers, um, if it, quite often if I'm speaking to someone who's just getting into it, I quite often say that because it, it took me too long or it took me a long time anyway to realize that. So I'm like, this is when people say, write what you know, it, it, it doesn't mean autobiographical necessarily. It means find that thing where you see yourself in it. And when the swan song premise came up, I pretty quickly realized I was shining a light back on some stuff that, you know, I hadn't really maybe ever dealt with. And uh, that was going to be painful, but, uh, you know, um, cathartic. And and ultimately it has been cathartic and, and a positive, I would say. Yeah, that's really wonderful to hear. And I love the fact that you, you've taken that journey that you went on and that that's something that you're imparting on other people who were kind of working their way through the industry. And it's such a beautiful film. So congratulations on everything with it. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mara.